Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Please open up in your Bible or follow along behind me from Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. I'm actually going to read uh, through chapter 6, verse 12. So Hebrews 5, 11. Concerning him, we have much to say. Now, hold on, who's the him? Melchizedek, from the last, earlier on, right? So that's who he, he is, that's who the him is, Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings, teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you, and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name, in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints." And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is the word of the Lord. And Hebrews itself tells us that the word of the Lord is sharp sharper than any two-edged sword. And so this passage is especially sharp. And it was intended by the Holy Spirit to cut us. To cut us. This is the word of the Lord. It is sharp. And unfortunately, one of the things that has happened through the centuries really with this passage right here is that this blade has been 
ground against rocks, the rocks of, of controversy, of doctrinal controversy, fighting between different you know, theological systems. This has been one of the major places where theological controversy has happened, and therefore the blade has become dull, so that when we read it, when we hear it, we don't feel cut. We go into theological controversy mode, and then we lose the point, literally, <laughs> for which it was given to us. It was given to us to cut, not to be fodder on one side or the other of some theological controversy. And so this is a difficult passage. Difficult not just because it teaches us things that we, we wrestle with, but difficult because it hurts. If it doesn't hurt, you've not hurt it. All right? And so he says in verse 11, concerning him, concerning Melchizedek, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain why. Since you have become dull of hearing. Now, the writer here uh, is not a bad teacher. He's very eloquent and very learned in the scriptures, right? And he knows what he's talking about. And yet when he gets to this point, he, he realizes, okay, I, I think I'm losing you. Now, when you're a teacher, when you're standing in front of people, you could be a father at your dinner table. You could be a teacher in a classroom. You could be just trying to explain something to someone. In whatever context, when you're a teacher trying to teach someone, and you're face to face with them and it becomes obvious, right? You know, the eyes start to drift, they kind of glaze over, you know, they get antsy, you get fidgety, you start wishing, you know, you're somewhere else. That's easy to see when you're teaching. He's not even in front of them. He's writing, right? And he knows them well enough to know, oh, wait a minute. I know what's happening now. I know what you're doing. Your eyes are glazing over right? You're drifting off. But it's not because he's a bad teacher. It's because the people he's writing to are lazy. That's the, that's the word actually here. Dull of hearing, lazy. They're lazy hearers. They're unwilling to do the hard work of following what he's saying and benefiting from it. Okay? They're lazy. Worse than that, how many of you like to be called lazy? No. How many of you like to be called a baby? Now that's where he goes next. You see, verse, eight, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the ABCs, the most basic things, the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. In other words, what? You're babies. You're babies, he says. You ought to be teachers, but you're not. You ought to be mature, but you're not. Instead, you're lazy and you're babies. Think of what a baby is. We have some experience with this. Babies are... 
incredibly selfish. Babies don't think of anyone else but themselves. And to the extent that they think of anyone else, it's only because that someone else can serve them, right? I mean, think of the milk issue, okay? The baby ain't thinking about the benefit or the, the, you know, the, the concerns or the problems or the struggles of mama. He's only thinking about himself. That's what babies do. Inherently selfish, they bear no weight. They will not and cannot take responsibility for anyone else. They're babies. But what about mature men and women? Well, that's what he means here when he says, for this time you ought to be teachers. You ought to be mature. You ought to be people who are bearing the weight of others, giving them what they need, helping them. But you're not. All you care about is helping yourself, entertaining yourself. Look at verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. Now, when we think about teaching, we automatically think, oh yeah, we're, yeah. He's, he's saying that everyone here should be very acquainted with the you know, precise um, details of doctrine and should be able to hold forth and and teach very deep, precise doctrine. Well, listen, doctrine is important. That's what he's been doing, and that's what he said you're not able to handle. He's been teaching doctrine. There's no dismissing of doctrine here, okay? But notice, doctrine has to have a point. And what is the point? He calls it the word of righteousness. He goes on, verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. This is not just doctrine for doctrine's sake. This is doctrine for righteousness' sake. It's the word of righteousness. It's to train you how to discern good and evil. This is talking about, this is what maturity actually is. You can know all the theology in the world and all of its details and all of that stuff and be a baby because you will not bear weight you do not live for anyone but yourself, and even your study of doctrine is actually for yourself. It's the opposite of maturity. We are, he says, by now you ought to be mature, you ought to be teachers, you ought to know the difference between good and evil, you ought, you ought to be well-versed in the word of righteousness, not just for doctrine's sake as if doctrine were an end in itself, but so that you could help yourself and people live the truth, discern good and evil. If that's not the point of your doctrine, your doctrine will rot in your mouth and it'll be poison to you. Now he goes on in, verse, in chapter six, verse one. Therefore, Leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, about the Messiah, let us press on to maturity. So he just said, okay, 
I know that actually you're lazy, you're dull of hearing, and why are you dull of hearing? Well, it's because you're babies and you can't handle this because all you can take is milk and you're not bearing weight and you're not mature and you're not thinking of anybody else but yourself. But I'm not content with that, he says. Let's, let's get beyond that, right? Let's press on. Let's get beyond the ABCs about the Messiah. Let's move on from that. Let's press on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He calls all of those things foundational issues, foundational teaching, foundational ABCs. Think about this. I mean, ABCs are important. You're not going to write some great work if you don't know the ABCs. I mean, you've got to know the ABCs. You're not going to build a great building if you don't have a foundation that's solid and strong and done right. So foundational issues are not to be poo-pooed, right? They're not just to be brushed aside and say, yeah, well, whatever. Let's get beyond that. We, first, you've got to lay the foundation. And he calls these things foundational issues. What are they? Well, repentance and faith. Pretty foundational. Right? Instructions about washings and laying on of hands. I think that's talking about baptism and entering into the church. That kind of stuff. Church membership. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. That's important. So kind of the beginning, the middle, and the end, right? These are all big, important things, but they're foundational things. Foundations do not exist as an end in themselves. Foundations have a purpose. Foundations are meant to be built on. Now the foundation has to be good and right and strong, but it, you're not supposed to stay there. You know, two days a week I help build houses, right? Right? Um, if all we did was build, I mean, there are people who build foundations and that's great, but if, if people just built foundations and said, there you go, we're done, what's the point of that? You know, you want to build something on that thing. And that's what he's pushing us for, pushing us towards. Verse three, he says, and this we will do. We're going to move beyond these basic things if God permits. Now verse four. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Now think very carefully about what just happened. And hopefully you've noticed it and seen it, unless now you are yourselves dull of hearing. What did he just do? What was he talking about? He was talking about maturity, laziness, being slow and dull of hearing. It's, you need to grow up. Let's get beyond the milk. And then from there, he shifts into what? Falling away, apostasy. Apostasy is just that weird word we use that just means falling away. That's what he says. 
Where did he get that? Why did he, why did he change the subject? He didn't change the subject. Being lazy, being a baby, being content only with milk, <clears throat> being content only with feeding yourself basic things so that you don't have to bear the weight of anybody else, all right, will lead you ultimately to apostasy, falling away. This is the progression. Look at what he says. Notice who he's talking about, all right? And he gives a long list to indicate who he's talking about. For in the case of those, verse five, four, who once have been enlightened, okay? I'm not gonna prove this to you, but I'm gonna make an assertion. I think he's talking here about baptism. Don't have time to prove that. He's talking about people who've been, this is the language that was used in the early church for those who were baptized, okay? For those who've been, once, who've been enlightened, they've been baptized, and have what? Tasted of the heavenly gift. I think that's talking about communion. That's the language that they used. All right, you've been baptized, you, you've been welcomed to the Lord's Supper and you take communion, and you've been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, you could, this could mean a couple of different things or several things. It could mean we come into the, what, what Scripture calls the temple of the Holy Spirit, the church, and we're here together. It could even mean ordained, those who have been ordained as pastors, elders, deacons. Verse 5, and have tasted the good word of God. What is that? That's what you're doing right now. You're hearing the preaching of the word of God. You're tasting it. Here it is. And the powers of the age to come. What does that mean? Well, you're in the church. You see God working. You see God transforming lives of people. You see God answering prayers. You see God bringing people to faith. You see God working. You taste the powers of the age to come. So who is he talking to? Who is he talking about? Who is he talking about? And he's talking about you and me and you and you and you and you and you. He's talking about us. He's talking about people in the church baptized, taking the Lord's Supper, hearing the word of God, being in the place where God works. He's talking about us. Do you see that? All right. What does he say? Well, in the case of those church members growing up in a Christian home, growing up in a church, who fall away, Right? Verse 6, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Now, listen, this should, this should cut, this should terrify, this should sober us because he's talking about us. None of us, 
Not None of us, not the pastors, not the elders, not the deacons, not you, not any of us are exempt from this warning. He's talking about us. And if we, if you, if I fall away, we trample underfoot the Son of God. This is what Hebrews 10 says. Trample underfoot the Son of God. Here he says, hold him up crucify him again and hold him up to open shame. He's worthless. That's what apostates say about the son of God. He's worthless. Tried that, didn't work. Bunch of man-made rules. Bunch of unscientific, superstitious junk. Have you ever known an apostate? The most bitter enemies of Christ are those who once professed to bow their knee to him. Pastors, elders, deacons, church members who once bowed the knee, professed to bow the knee to Christ and did so openly to all indication and they fall away. Chapter 10 says the only thing left for them is the fury, the fire of God. Look at verse seven. This is why I asked Lucas to read from Isaiah five, because he's just putting out there in a little shorthand version that parable, that illustration from places like Isaiah 5. Look what he says. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God. Right? But, verse 8, if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and it ends up being burned. Now listen. Here we are, right now, every one of you, young and old alike, children, boys, girls, men, women, all of us, the rain is falling on us. The, we've been here with the word of God being read and preached, we've prayed together, we've bowed our knee, we're gonna take the Lord's Supper. We've sung together, we've worshiped. This is what, if you're in a Christian home, this is what you get in your home, children, all the time. The rain, constant rain, falling, falling, falling on you. And for some, that rain produces fruit, good fruit, right? Vegetation useful to those for whose sake it's tilled. Good grapes in the vineyard. But that's not everybody. Some of us actually are yielding thorns and thistles. Bad fruit, useless fruit. And what happens to that? Well, that ground is worthless 
and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burnt. It's all getting the same rain, but the rain in their case, in your case, this is you, is not producing good fruit. It's actually producing thorns and thistles. You're still babies. That's why he says this. Right? I'm worried that what I'm teaching you can't understand because you're lazy and slow and dull of hearing. I wish you were mature. Mature men and women can take solid food, the word of righteousness. They have their senses trained to discern good and evil, but I can't, but you don't. You're babies. You only could take his milk. And by the way, you're in danger of falling away. Verse 9. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. Now, he didn't, he's not just taking away everything he just said. We shouldn't all just say, oh, phew, good. <laughs> ah, thankfully, he's not talking about me. No, he's just a good pastor, and he knows that there are, there are both kinds of ground out there that he's writing to, that he's preaching to, and he doesn't want to crush them. He wants to encourage them, right? Look what he says. Verse 10, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name, and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. In other words, I see good fruit. That's what he's saying. I do see good fruit out there. But that doesn't mean you're allowed to be lazy. Look at what he says next, verse 11. And we desire that each one of you. Now he's getting very personal and particular. Each one of you. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So he really is just back where he started, Right? He started by making the observation that you're sluggish. And because you're sluggish, you're still babies. I don't want you to be sluggish. I want you to be diligent. So that you have this full assurance of hope to the end, meaning you don't fall away. You have the hope to the end. But you can't be sluggish. You can't be lazy and you can't be babies. Now listen, brothers and sisters. I believe our church is full of babies. I'm afraid that our church is full of babies. And it makes sense. Because it's easy in our culture <laughs> to think you're a great, mature, wise man just because 
You believe in repentance and faith and eternal judgment and the resurrection of the dead and baptism. Oh, look, at I'm a great sage, great mature man. No, 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 you're just a baby. <laughs> that's, what, that's the baby stuff. That's the ABC stuff. And if you're self-satisfied and self-confident and self-assured that you're some great sage and great wise man or woman and mature stalwart of the faith because you believe the ABCs, well, no, actually. Do you hear me? If you read this as if it has nothing to do with you, <laughs> then it has everything to do with you. I mean, it has everything to do with all of us, honestly. We are so self-satisfied, self-assured, because look at us. We believe the deep doctrine. But I, when I hear us talk we're not bearing weight. We're not teaching one another the, the word of righteousness. We talk about hunting and mm, some of you sports. Our jobs, politics, the weather. but you're not teaching anyone. We're babies. And um, we need to grow up. Well, we're coming to the Lord's table. And this supper, this meal, is in fact to strengthen us, to make us grow up. Come forward, men. This table the Lord gives us to strengthen us, to, to strengthen our hope, to give us strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that's set before us. That's what this table is for. It's to strengthen those who are weak. We are weak. We need this meal. We need to have our faith built up. We need to commune with Christ through this meal. And that's why he gave it to us. Yes, many of us, I believe, are babies. What do you do with that? Is it a sin? I think so. Because by this time you ought to be teachers. So you're doing something you ought not. <laughs> you're being something, we're being what we ought not to be. So we're sinners. And so we come to this table knowing that we deserve to have our body crushed, our blood spilled. And yet Jesus did this for us in order to bring us to God. 
in order to give us everything we need to grow up. And so, brothers and sisters, let's take hold of this and let's grow up. Days are coming when babies aren't going to last. Hear are these words from 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the, Lord, from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Remember that right after he says this, he says, now some of you are sick and some of you are dead. Because you're taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way, right? If you are sliding away even now, living a secret life of sin that you have made peace with, you understand? Or you're under discipline, or you know that you're harboring in your heart bitterness and anger as a little baby would towards people who did you wrong. Don't take this meal. It, will, it can hurt you. That's what the Lord says. But if you know your sin, know your weakness, don't like it, want to mature, this meal is for you. All right? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, would you please take these things, these normal everyday, this stuff here, this bread and this wine, and set it apart for this use for our encouragement, Lord Jesus, come and be with us as you said you would and feed us and strengthen us, nourish us, encourage us to lay hold of this hope that you hold out for us. Help us to be faithful to the end. Help us to be those who bear weight, who give and not just take, who work hard and are diligent and not sluggish and lazy, but who care for one another. Please, Lord, strengthen us for this. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.